Hello mech fans and welcome to the Valhalla Club. Grab a fusionaire and join us as we talk Battletech and the latest happenings around the Colorado Battletech community. Thanks for joining us today. In this episode, we are going to recap Battle for the Sphere 2022. I am Mike. Joining me today is Dave, Ben, Matt, and John. Let's get the night started off with some hobby progress. Uh, Dave, what have you been working on? A whole lot of nothing. I was busy with Battle for the Sphere 2022, and oh, wait, I did. guess I did get three metal minis put together. And fought with them the entire time. Wash your minis. Wash your minis. Uh, ben? Uh, I was finishing up some writing that I'd been tasked with. And then uh, I've been putting together uh, an entire trinary of metal uh, elementals. And an entire battalion of interfere battle armor. That's as far as I got Ooh. so far. That's a lot of battle armor. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I do not envy you, good sir. Uh, John, what have you been up to? Uh, not too much. You know, it's just been a lot of model prep. Getting another binary of Jade Falcons ready, primed, and ready to be painted. You know, the Jade Falcons lost, right? Uh, from a certain point of view. Touche, good sir. And Matt, what have you been up to? Yeah, for uh, getting some stuff ready for the Battle for the Sphere event uh, and working on some units for the campaign we're running up here in Fort Collins. I've uh, splashed a little bit of contrast paint on probably like, I don't know, 30, 40 units. So it's been a lot of contrast paint painting, which is probably on the easy end of, of total total mini painting but uh it's been quite a bit <laughs> um but no it's i'm it's been good to get rid of some gray that's been sitting on my table right on uh as for myself i was trying to finish the rest of my inner sphere units uh with the uh, good old airbrush mass production method uh finishing up about a company and a half worth of Kellhounds. Uh, I tried to get them done before Battle for the Sphere, but life got in the way. And they're still in the garage, half red, half black, not entirely finished. Uh, but that's that's what I've been up to for about the past uh, for the past month. Um, all right, so that finishes hobby progress. Let's start our recap. So let's start on the south side and. The Southside event for Colorado, the Battle for the Sphere South. All right, so Battle for the Sphere South took place at Gamers Haven in Colorado Springs. Uh, they just recently moved into a new store, so I think we might have been the first official event there. And it was it's a really wonderful store. If you're in the Colorado Springs area, I highly recommend checking them out. Uh, so a big thank you goes out to Gamers Haven, the staff there. They're very accommodating to us. And of course, to all the players that came out, uh, we had a lot of new players. We had a lot of people kind of just walking through and checking out Battletech for the first time. And, uh, as far as the games, we had, uh, a few people playing classic. We had two, four players playing two games of Alpha Strike. 
And then in the afternoon, we went ahead and gave a multiplayer scenario a shot. And Mike, why don't you go, since I didn't play in the first half of the, of the afternoon, or the first half of the day, why don't you go through the game that you played? All right, so uh, for my game uh, in the morning, uh, I played uh, Gennaro. It was his first time ever playing Alpha Strike. Uh, I think he's played one, maybe two games of Classic before. We went through and explained the roles uh, as best I could tableside uh, quick, fast. And the, the easiest way to teach somebody is just a quick overview of the rules. And all right, let's just start rolling dice and making moves, and I'll help guide you along the way. Uh, he had an inner sphere force. We, we played a standard alpha strike game, and it was 350 points total on the table. Um, he had eight, I believe it was. Yeah, eight Intersphere units. Every single one of them was a skill two. And one was a skill three. I think it was the Locust. And I had a clan force, also eight units. But because they were clan in the higher base PVs, I ranged from a skill two all the way up through skill fours. As a result, he hit all the time and I hit half the time uh we went with the uh vanilla rolls uh not the multiple attack dice just for simplicity's sake it was his first game and i think i think he had a good time he definitely uh was dropping my units left and right he with two units in a row he was able to put all the damage from like uh i forget which variant warhammer uh another heavy unit and and dropped my strongest slash most armored structured uh unit with just those two units back to back um so yeah don't forget to upgrade skill uh but but he had a good time uh i think he learned a lot and he enjoyed it but yeah it was it was a great game and i had a, a lot of fun uh showing a new player the ropes so in the afternoon we went into the multiplayer event which we had most everybody wanted to play that so we went from having you know six people on the sign up to i think we ended up having 10 people playing so we split it into two tables there were four of us on one table and then six players on the other uh definitely a lesson learned from that one that is not a beginner friendly match i thought it would be i was wrong because i think the uh table of six only got in three or four turns i think they the store was closing by the time we got there and our table with uh the four of us just ended up kind of devolving into two separate games of alpha strike where charles thoroughly kicked my ass but uh you let the aries fall uh yeah well i mean the aries got shot by three supernovas and then all of uh all of charles's mechs so yes the aries finally died um, and it died in a spectacular fashion, but it did, and this goes into one of my high points, it did avoid the only through armor critical that it had on it from a long range shot. Like everybody was shooting at my Ares. Uh, it got shot at long range by King Crab with a through armor critical, and that critical hit the battle armor. <laughs> 
So it uh, successfully survived that, which could have been very ugly for for me because it was the first shot that was on the Aries. And uh, but yeah, I think everybody had a really good time. I know one of my coworkers, Ron, came down and he played Alpha Strike for the first time. And thank you to Luke from down in Pueblo for showing him how to play. Uh, he seems very interested, and I think we've gained at least a couple of new players from the uh, Southern event. And uh, the Southern event was still better, if not smaller, <laughs> Dave, than you, you Northern guys. <laughs> could you talk a little bit about, like, a little bit more about what the multiplayer event was, um, or the multiplayer game? I guess uh, for those yeah. that didn't so, see it. So, for those of you that weren't at the Southern event because you didn't go to the more awesome event. Uh, the multiplayer event was a six foot by four foot play space with five pieces of terrain per player. And in the center was a crashed dropship that produced three, uh, three hit point, one short, one medium infantry and whoever lost initiative moved the infantry at the end of the round. And whoever was closest with the most PV within six inches of the dropship got to decide who the infantry shot at. If you weren't close enough and nobody did, they shot at whoever was closest. So it's kind of chaotic. It, uh, it, it's supposed to force players to try and get to the middle and brawl it out as soon as possible. What I found was with new players, they tend to try and be a little cagier. They want to hang back. So it's it didn't work out as well as I had hoped it would. But, you know, lesson learned. So next Battle for the Sphere, that will probably not be on the list. And we'll just do a second afternoon or maybe try something that uh, you guys did up north. All right. Uh, so for the north event that was put on by Matt and John... Uh, so how how was the North event, guys? Yeah, it uh, it went really well. It was a really good time. Um, just I guess some specifics about it. We hosted the event at Hobby Town, Westminster, which uh, we have kind of a regular Friday night thing going on there, and they have some really good space with with quite a bit of table space for you know ev- events or whatever. And they have both the downstairs and upstairs, so we thought it'd be a really good place, and it's kind of central to central-ish to those that are in the Denver area as well as those that are up north. For those that, you know, don't know anything about this Battle for the Sphere event, it's kind of more of a beginner-friendly type thing. Uh, We decided to, we're in the past, well, there's only been one before, but that was held in Castle Rock and was kind of for everyone in Colorado, whereas this was split into two. If you were geographically um, in the northern region, you would go to the north event or vice versa for the south event. And but we were kind of doing similar things at each place. So up in the north, we had Alpha Strike and we kind of gave the option to do kind of like Alpha Strike 350 games like those created by Wolfnet. And we also gave the option of doing just complete 350 PV battles of Alpha Strike. Surprisingly, almost everyone selected to do the 350 point games, Um, just kind of regular stand up or whatever Alpha Strike. And then we had quite a few uh, classic players as well. So they were just playing kind of stand-up fight. And then we had um, we had the multiplayer event on our sign-up, but we didn't have any people sign up. But 
we did have something that we tried out, which was a campaign in a day thing where we, it was the alpha using the alpha strike system. We had four different missions and it was kind of a narrative event. Uh, so we had four people that, that did that throughout the day. And that was kind of between the two sessions, they had to do all four missions. Uh, so in total, we had 29 people show up, which is really good. Cause that, that alone is the biggest battle tech event we've had in, in Colorado that I know of. So that was that was pretty pretty awesome to have that many people in the store playing BattleTech in one way or another, and the the distribution with my awesome uh, statistical knowledge. No, um, I've got some percentages here, but we had just over fifty percent playing Alpha Strike, and then about thirty percent playing Classic, and then just the four people playing the campaign in a day, which it was designed to have, and it was it was really fun to see the different things. After a while. Uh, the Alpha Strike games started to kind of break into smaller 200-point games here and there. Just because we had some... The 350-point would either end earlier than we anticipated, and they wouldn't you know, have anything to do, and so they would just kind of play a 200-point game against someone else. We also had... It, it got easier and easier to do 200-point games with those that were just learning Alpha Strike, that those that, that walked in the door and didn't know anything... Uh, about how to play and stuff so that we had more 200 point games kind of pop up that way let's see i i guess i'll just talk about kind of the the top moments as i was walking around we had even even numbers um kind of across everything so i didn't really play much but uh, i did walk over a couple times i i had kind of a bounty on headshots for the alpha strike and, and classic people but uh lauren from up here in, in fort collins i don't know what it is but over the last like three or four things that I've done with him. He's had a, he's had a, like a, you know, a double, double sixes, double sixes, uh, headshot. Like every time I do anything with him. So yes, again, he got, he got a through, through armor headshot. And, um, and so I, he got a prize for that. That was kind of fun on the classic side. I saw something that I had never seen before. I saw, we had some 3d terrain and one of it was a building that had kind of like, uh, three little things that came in on the top and we had, three mechs jump up and like be battling it out on the top of this little tiny building all together. I'd never seen that in classic. So it was fun to have some 3d terrain there as well. And then the campaign in a day thing went, I think pretty well. I was surprised by some of the decisions. Uh, it was a campaign that was kind of based on a, what's called a turning points helm, which is uh, this turning point in kind of the, the lore uh, of the battle tech universe. Um, and so this was uh, originally based in uh, the during the Succession Wars time, but we kind of fast forwarded it because all of our events were Civil War era based. So we kind of updated the units, but we kind of tried to keep it uh, as it was written. We had four fun missions, um, and the guys were great to just try out this thing uh, that I kind of designed and made up in my crazy head. And some of the the missions didn't turn out exactly as I had foreseen, especially one mission where they were supposed to, uh, the Free Worlds League was trying to attack and take the Grey Death Legion uh, dropship. But I didn't give them enough, like, victory points to induce them to actually do so. It was more risky to, like, go out rather than just sit there. And so they just sat there and destroyed, or tried to destroy Grey Death Legion mechs. So, anyways, there were some some interesting things. But, um... Yeah, John was there as well. So uh, what did you see and, and what did you like about the event, John? Well, I love the turnout. Uh, we had, you know, 30 players um, and it looked like everyone was having fun. You know, even 
if you had some downtime between games, you could catch up with someone and ask them like uh, what list they're running and, you know, just shoot the shit. It's nice. I ended up running a demo game at 200 point value, uh, an alpha strike for a newcomer. Um, and that was fun. His name was Preston. Uh, you know, usually you run a demo game, you try to take it easy on the newbie, kind of pull him into the game. And for whatever reason, this guy could not stop himself from rolling a one on every single roll ever. And like, he got in close range. This is the excuse you gave to me afterwards, right? This is this. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. My excuse for pub stomping. No, uh, he, uh, like he got behind a, uh, a cougar and he needed fives to hit and he only hit on one out of three dice. I was like, Oh, (laughs) just feeling really bad. And, uh, we wrapped that game up. And then I was kind of uh, over at the Alpha Strike tables, checking things out. We had a, a Ghost Bear death match between um, Wolf and Delaney, and we were joking that uh, as the wolves, I'm sorry, as the bears are kind of like the family friendly clan, they were having a battle over who, who got to save a, a, sp- a school bus of children hanging over a cliff. <laughs> like I saw him first, and then. Uh, Lauren was playing uh, Wolf's friend. Uh, I want to say his name was Ryan. Um, and then Manny and his two sons made it out. Uh, Logan and... Oh, man. Stretching. Sorry. Uh, Logan's brother. <laughs> um, but uh, it was nice seeing them. Logan used to run events with you, Matt, uh, out of Hobbytown, Westminster. And it was nice having him back. Uh I had to call it an early day. Um, our babysitter uh, had to cancel, so I only had like the the morning free. But uh, it was really nice seeing everyone. And uh, running a demo game is pretty fun. I wish I'd gotten like an actual game in, but uh, in the morning, you know, there was like those uh, three fifty point games, and you know, there was no no uh, ceiling or clock on them, so we. I, I think you mentioned earlier kind of running the issues where you kind of have people who are kind of mingling while waiting for the next game. So that's probably like the only thing I would change is add like a, a round clock, you know? Yeah. Or, or but, maybe uh, put in some more scenarios to kind of drive uh, the clock a little, because yeah, it was like we had, I don't know, like two and a half hours, three hours or something for the, for, for the morning session. And after a while people started to finish, but other people were not. And so it's kind of like we were in this like kind of, state of like oh what do we do now with half the people finishing and stuff um logan's brother's name is cam yeah i just remembered it too. cameron um yeah. yeah it was great to have him there too so yeah i kind of caught in that limbo but otherwise it's great and I, I peeked in on the uh classic side and the campaign of the day side jack looked like he was gonna have a lot of fun with the campaign and then the classic side was cool too there's a lot of people i did not recognize there and i was like ah cool <laughs> Yeah, it was great to have him there. It was fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And I just want to say uh, thanks to Matt uh, for putting it all on and uh, Josh out of Fort Collins for providing all of the uh, freebies and swag. Yeah, it was pretty nice swag we had there. We had a bunch of uh, different turrets uh, and some towers to put the turrets on. And I think that stuff um, actually fits in with Thunderhead's um, walls that he's been putting out lately. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, um, 
So okay, we had cool. those, and then uh, we had a whole bunch of Irby's. I don't know. I'm not an Irby fan, but I guess everyone else is. Yeah, but we had taco trucks in the uh, South. See, I, I almost want a taco truck more than an Irby. It's very similar, like, damage profile as well. So, um, and we also had uh, some other kind of like we'd have five of each of the mechs so we had some intersphere and some uh clan mechs that that josh also printed out and then some other smaller pieces of terrain like some bunkers or some generators and stuff like that so we yeah we had we had quite a bit of stuff what did you guys have down there besides taco trucks so in the south uh it was josh f that provided all the print time for the uh for the events so he had Everything from, God, Uziels. He had taco trucks. We had small buildings. Uh, the the towers with the turrets on them, which I believe were the new Thunderhead turrets. So uh, a bunch of us got to walk away with the uh, the new resin prints of the Thunderhead turrets that he just brought out. What three weeks ago? Yeah, it's got to be. Very, the, uh, it's got to be the same. It was really recent. Yeah. All the prize support was provided by the Colorado Battletech Patreon, which is part of the Colorado Battletech Facebook group and Discord. So big thanks out to everybody who uh, chooses to you know donate some of their hard-earned money to uh, provide prize support for these events, and you know everybody appreciated it. Yeah, I think you know everyone up in the north came. Pretty much everyone, as they were walking out or you know coming in and out, came and talked to me and just said thank you and thanks for putting it on. And, and I, you know, I I enjoy putting events like this on mostly because it uh, it brings people together. And now we're getting like to the place where some of the people that have been to one to one or two events, even if they don't play each other except for at the events, they recognize each other, they talk to each other now. You know, it's kind of becoming more of a real community. Versus like, you know, some dude off the street that you play once and never see again. So I that that part of it, I really enjoy this kind of community creation because then it kind of takes on a life of its own and, and kind of produces more than just playing a game. So I really enjoyed the event. Glad we organized it kind of in this this uh, two location type of thing. Really had fun. What would you do different if you want to do the multiplayer event again, Dave? I don't think I would I don't think I would actually run it again. Yeah. It was not as friendly to new players as I thought it would be. The uh the hardest part was keeping players focused. No, it's a multiplayer alpha strike. So, it's 200 points. Uh each person starts at a corner or midway in the map and you're su- supposed to rush toward the middle. I think what helped on the first time that we played this was we had all buildings and this time we had a bunch of hills and stuff like that. So the, the, the lines of sight were a lot easier and the terrain density was the terrain density was the same, but it's not. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the buildings definitely broke up the line of sight a lot and kind of forced people to go into the middle, but with just hills, it was pretty easy. As soon as my freaking Aries popped out, it got blasted. <laughs> yeah, because when we I mean hardcore that, freaking go ahead. When we played it that one time, I think at least 
uh, I could I could say at least most of us had to like let's go balls the wall and go for this thing like immediately. Yeah. And so there were like it was hmm. just like almost a you know it's basically a king of the hill except with a giant you know thing you can't see in the middle, but you could also jump up onto and see everyone else, which was done. So by I, me, yeah. So it was kind <laughs> of like evil little spider. I think, and actually, it kind of a similar thing happened in the campaign in a day where, at least for one of the missions, kind of the everyone became really risk adverse, and so they like wouldn't go out of their little like their little pocket where they had started, and and it really like yeah. clumped things up. And I don't know. I think if you you got to take a little risk to have some fun, but it's hard to like people that aren't generally that way to begin with, you got to give them like some pretty hard uh, or some pretty good inducement to do so. Yeah. Like the, uh, I definitely, I haven't really seen like that analysis paralysis in alpha strike before, but it was totally prevalent on the multiplayer tables. And I think that was also because, you know, new players, they don't, yeah. they don't know exactly what to do. They're not going to just rush in because they think they're just going to die. And then somebody takes advantage of it. So like the, the six player table, they were just kind of hanging around, hanging around the edges and not really pushing into the center where when we played, it was everybody rushed into the middle and just started fist fighting. You got to have like maybe you could you could make it so that whoever gets there not only gets the infantry but gets to use the uh, the dropship's weapons, and it's oh God. it's like you know blowing a unit you know uh, blowing a mini off the board each turn or something like that. So yeah, I mean it definitely needs some refinement, and it is definitely more of a advanced player, at least experienced player scenario, where you're going to go in and just try and crush things, but. Yeah, next time, next time, I think just as you found out, Matt, we just uh, go ahead and just keep the the theme going the entire day. Little games. Hey, you finished your two hundred. Go play this person over here. You go play this person over here. Great, you classic guys finished. Why don't you guys switch it up and play again? Yeah, actually, I had uh, I ran out of time, but I had some other ideas for the event. One of them was kind of like a bingo card where you did different scenarios rather than just like stand-up fight but you did different scenarios or, or accomplished certain things in your games and you know if you got bingo then you would get like a, an official mini or something like that but something to induce you to like do something different in every game in, in fact that was yeah. that was like the one thing in the campaign and campaign in a day thing is each game had something different that added either a rule or like a bonus for something or something like that. And I, I think that's really good to have like people, even people that have played like, you know, 10 or, or 20 games to like keep progressing a little bit more up the ladder. So yeah, anything, anything to do that I think is good. Yeah. Maybe start with just mechs, then move up to mechs plus vehicles. And then by the end of the day, you know, give them uh mechs vehicles and a VTOL. Yeah, even even something like that might be really cool. I will say it was a good thing I brought my entire binder of classic sheets because one of our classic players had never played classic before. He literally had like recently bought units, painted them, showed up, signed up for classic, but didn't have sheets. So I was like, boom, binder. What what do you got? Let's flip through here. Okay. All right, sheet, this one. How much BV we got left? Let's find one that works. 
boom, here you go. Like, I think that brings up another good point to get rid of the era and just let people bring what they want. Really? I think it'd be well, easier to or to maybe just up to maybe up to Civil War. Somebody wants to bring the thirty twenty five mechs because they love thirty twenty five. Bring them. You may not do as well, but if that's what you like playing, play that. I think for a classic or for, I'm sorry for a beginner event, you're probably best off sticking to thirty twenty five or thirty fifty because that's the current box sets we get. That's the record sheets that come in those box sets, and that's what we're kind of like modeling it after. And that's anytime I teach anybody classic stuff, it's it's I usually just start off with succession wars level stuff, intro tech kind of thing, you know, just because there's not as many weapons to deal with. There's not a bunch of, you know, pulse lasers do negative two and, you know, targeted computers and all that other crap. You know, it's just straight. This is what Battletech is, man. And then if they get hooked, boom. You know, now we're going to advance in the timeline kind of thing, you know? Yeah, 100%. That's kind of the same uh, same thing, but on the Alpha Strike side that uh, my coworker uh, Ron had, because like he had never played before. He showed up. Uh, I hooked him by starting to play uh, Price of Glory in, uh, in the commuter van on our carpool up to uh, Denver every day. So he is, he is hooked. I heartily endorse endorse that book. That's cool. Yeah, we ended uh, Mercenary Star because I was listening to like the last two chapters of it, and I put that on, and then we finished that and went straight into uh, Price of Glory, and then I started uh, playing uh, this week, Text Talks BattleTech BattleTech One Hundred One. Oh, cool. Which was great. Yeah, we actually had four players up at the North event that had died, that had never played a game of BattleTech in their life, and they tried out both Alpha Strike and Classic. So it was quite the learning. Event. Which one did they like better? Um, it was kind of half and half, actually. Um, which was I was surprised uh, that it was kind of half and half, but um, yeah, we had two that liked Alpha Strike more, one that liked uh, Classic, and one that was kind of like ambivalent. So he was like, eh, I like both. So, okay. Yeah. I will say, like, with Classic and Alpha Strike, they're just completely different rule sets, you know? It's it's chocolate and vanilla. You know, like, when you play, like, 40K and uh, what's their little skirmish equivalent? Kill Team? That's, you know, you got vanilla and a French bean, you know what I mean? Like, it's, you know, adjacent. But with the Alpha Strike and Battletech, it's just completely different. Completely different games. And now let's take a short break for some news happening across the inner sphere. On tonight's battle report, we are reporting on three battles. Two from the Acer Guard Rosselhog Mercenary Company facing off against Capellan and Draconis Combine forces, and one battle from the Battle for the Sphere South. Tonight on the Battle Report. The Acer Guard vs. the Capellan Confederation CCAF. The battle took place on a rocky world of grasslands and stone outcroppings. The Acer forces fielded two lances of melee-focused battle mechs in an effort to eliminate a specific target in the Capellan ranks. The CCAF defended their position with a slightly understrength company of seven battle mechs and four combat vehicles. Using the natural cover of the terrain, 
the Acer Guard advanced on the CCAF forces in an effort to force the opponent to split forces and give the Acer Guard an opportunity to close range for devastating melee attacks. While attempting to set up an ambush against the mercenaries, a CCAF locust crested a hill by mistake and gave away the position of the friendly forces. In response, the Acer Guard pushed their right flank to engage the CCAF vehicles with overwhelming firepower. In response, the Acer Guard pushed their right flank to engage the CCAF vehicles with overwhelming firepower while the other two lances of the CCAF consolidated. The CCAF salvaged the situation by dropping ground forces back and saving half of the vehicles and damaging an Acer Grasshopper. However, during the engagement, another Capellan scout mech attempted to gain the observation position on an Acer mech and was in turn destroyed by the mercenaries. The battle continued. The Acer Hunter Killer Lance was able to corner the CCAF commander's Thunderbolt. The Capellan commander was able to inflict damage on the Acer Guard mercenaries, but after a combined three-on-one firefight, the bulky mech took a critical hit to the cockpit ending the commander mech's fight. The hulking machine fell in a smoking pile, while the remaining mechs of the Capellan forces attempted to rally and avenge their fallen commander. The Capellans pushed into the mercenary formation with speed and determination, drawing fire to make way for their awesome and battlemaster to rain death upon their ranks. Unfortunately, the mercenaries were prepared and maneuvered in a way to utilize the depleted uranium melee weapons to devastating effect. When the smoke cleared, the Capellan warriors surrendered, abandoning their machines to the victorious mercenaries. For the second engagement of the Acer Guard Mercenary Company, they traveled to the planet Marianus V. After successfully completing the contract in Capellan space, the Acer Guard accepted a new contract to garrison the planet of Marianus V. During descent, one of the Acer Guard Leopard dropships was ambushed by aerospace assets. Forced to make an emergency landing, the Ares Guard were able to release three mechs successfully from the drop cradles, having to leave a damaged Phoenix Hawk in the dropship. The remaining three mechs of the mercenary unit fanned out to scout the surrounding terrain. When members of the Marianas Liberation Front announced their presence by attacking the Lance with two scout mechs, a Spider and Commando. The Mercs went to work on the new threat, destroying the Commando in the initial engagement. Having dispatched the first of the scout mechs, the MLF called up reinforcements to the scene and attacked the mercenaries who were attempting to move the damage to Phoenix Hawk out with a convoy of vehicles. The MLF attacked the mercenaries with an archer, trebuchet, cicada, and the remaining spider. The Ares guard mechs, consisting of a grasshopper and two wolverines, defended the convoy, utilizing natural cover of the surrounding hills and the downed dropship. The mercs were able to inflict damage on the MLF forces to press the enemy into retreat, ending the engagement. 72 hours and 75 kilometers later, the Eris mechs consolidated with their second lance at the local garrison and Comstar outpost of Marianas V, and set up for the defense of the planetary royal family. Having repaired the damaged Phoenix Hawks, the Merc commander had to abandon his damaged grasshopper and take the controls of that mech. During the period when the Acer Guard were completing their field repairs and reconsolidation of forces, the MLF launched a raid on the facility. The Eris Guards, however, were more than prepared. 
the MLF attacked with only a lance that included a single crusader, two scout mechs, a blackjack, and a centurion. The heiress, now at strength, with a warhammer, two wolverines, wolfhound, phoenixhawk, dragon, and the damaged grasshopper made quick work of the enemy mechs. However, during the fight, a single enemy stinger retreated from the field, giving the mercenaries a sense that they had won. And then, over the hill, the stinger reappeared, followed this time by an entire, fresh assault lance. Will the Eris guards survive the encounter? More to follow. Our final battle takes us to the Fedcom Civil War, in the battle for the Sphere II. In a brilliant display of clan arrogance, the forces of Clan Ragnarok were taken to task by a green inner sphere commander, Captain Gennaro. Star Commander Michael, the unblooded warrior of Clan Ragnarok, attempted to infiltrate and seize an industrial complex being guarded by the mercenary warriors. The mercenaries calmly approached the attackers, relying on training and tactics to hold the line against the clans. The clan commander pushed forward with his summoner Omnimech, only to receive the inner sphere welcoming gifts from the combined fires of a Warhammer, Awesome, Rifleman, and Blackjack. Needless to say, the clanner's ejection seat got a bird's eye view of the remainder of the battle. The clans did not display a wholly incompetent attack, however. A suicidal dasher pilot carrying a payload of elementals did flank the inner sphere assault mechs and was able to take down its prey at the cost of the battle armor and the dasher pilot. The clan forces then attempted to push the right flank with an ice ferret who took down a wolverine and blackjack before falling. The remaining clan crossbow chose the wiser route when faced with overwhelming odds of a one-on-five conflict and surrendered to the superior forces of the mercenary commander. Unfortunately, the clan commander was not captured and remains at large. Reports say he was later seen in a bar, drinking a fusion air while cursing the Solhama warriors that had been assigned to him and swearing vengeance on the mercenary commander. Special thanks tonight go out to Rick and Max for the first battle report, Rick and Alex for the second, and Mike and Gennaro for the third. Have a great night, everybody. And now it's time for the Battletech Drink of the Month with Burr Ben. Ben, take it away. Hello, hello. So this month, uh, I've been kind of playing around with some different mixtures of, you know, I'm, I like my whiskey. So uh, we're going with uh, something I dived onto the dark web, read it again, and uh, found called The Haunts, after the greatest leader of the Federated Sons of all times in one Davian's opinion. Um, so the Hans consists of one and a half ounces of Irish whiskey, one and a half ounces of Canadian whiskey, one and a half ounces of Tennessee whiskey, one and a half, one and a half ounces of syrup, a dash of bitters, and a splash of cola. And you can garnish it with a lemon if you'd so like. That is the Battletech drink of the month. So Ben, would you say that's like is it is it pretty smooth? Has it got a strong bite to it? Like you know, what, I, what's I the map? Yeah, yeah. What how's it how's it go down? 
I, I tend to I tend to drink my bourbon pretty straight. So uh, when I add in a bunch of extra stuff, it gets a little weird. Um, the Hans I found a little bit too sweet for me. Um, it it goes down smooth, but uh, it's just a little bit too sweet that I'm I'm not really a big fan of the drink. However, I have a, am a big fan of the name. Did you go a little heavy on the syrup? No, I think I went I went heavier on the Tennessee whiskey because I had more of that. <laughs> that honestly sounds That's like fair. a drink that wants to start a fight with you, says it's sorry, and then punches you in the face. <laughs> exactly, and then and then rubs your head afterwards. Why it still sounds better than a PPC? True. True. Guys, this uh, podcast isn't about toxic relationships. Just a reminder. <laughs> Sorry, I was having flashbacks to my prison time. Oh, yeah. We just <laughs> call that the Navy. <laughs> we, I call it the Marine Corps. Oh, okay. Yeah, potato, potato. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Doesn't your check say Department of the Navy? You shut your mouth, Army dog. <laughs> the hey, at least you're not Coast Guard. True that. True that. They're DHS now, oh. aren't they? Yep. Yeah. You've never heard someone... Okay. I mean, there's still on, at least Space Force. Uniform service. Yeah. Space Force is Department of Defense. Ooh, Space Force. You know what? I did run into one of those guys uh, at a Target in Denver, and he's just wearing uh, an airman's camis and then like the Space Force blue name tags. Space looks Force. really ugly. Really, really ugly. <laughs> All I know is that first deployment better be to the fucking moon. Facts. Uh, all I know is I hope they put a nuclear reactor in a spaceship and then launch it. You know what I mean? Got to go. Got to go all the way. Their yeah. annual training is to LV four two nine. Well, anyways, that's the drink of the month. That's the drink of the month. That is the drink of the month. Cheers. All right, so earlier this week, at least for most places, I guess that would be the last week of September for most of the United States. Um, the and the Catalyst, world. And the world. The, uh, so Catalyst just released the new 2022 version of the Beginner Box. The only real change to that is they dropped the Wolverine for a Vindicator. So now the Beginner Box comes with a... Griffin and a Vindicator. Uh, they still have the beginner box focused uh, half sheets for the classic side of the house. Um, no Alpha Strike cards are included, and it's the exact same uh, little novella that was included with the original um, beginner box. Even though there's no Alpha Strike uh, cards included, uh, we do want to at least cover, at, at a minimum, the variants in Alpha Strike that are provided for the classic half sheets um, for those that are, are looking to put this on an Alpha Strike table. Um, so, uh, John, which, uh, which variants come in, come in the box and how do their, their Alpha Strike stat cards look like? Sure. So in the box, you have the Vindicator 1 SIC and the Vindicator 1R. Uh, both are early variants. And uh, in Alpha Strike terms, it's very, very minor difference. They're, they're 
going to clock in at 26 and 27 points with the one R having a little bit more long range firepower, uh, but otherwise identical uh, in movement profile, armor, structure, uh, all that. Um, and really, they're just going to be uh, affordable uh, trooper type mechs. They're not really all that fast, but they throw, you know, two dice at uh, short and medium and long range for the R. So, you know, they're cheap and cheerful. Go out there, get an objective, you know, hold it, try not to get too much attention because they'll probably, you know, fold over to a stiff breeze. They only have TMM1 and uh, nine hit points. So you're saying you love the Vindicator for your Alpha Strike army, right, John? <laughs> I love to see my opponent set them up against me, yes. All right, for the uh, classic side of the house, um, so the like John mentioned, the uh, Vindicator 1R and the 1SIC variants are the uh, sheets included with the box. Again, those are half sheets. They cut out the critical hit table and the uh, structure and heat tracking for, for the beginner box. But the Vindicator 1R, John mentioned that it's got a little bit more of a damage profile and long. And I'm assuming that's because its weapons loadout consists of a PPC, an LRM-5, a medium laser, and one small laser uh, with a movement profile of 464. The one SIC has the same movement profile, but instead of a PPC, has a large laser. So I'm pretty sure that's why the SIC has a little bit less damage in the long range bracket, uh, at least on the Alpha Strike side of the house. So those are the two cards included. Uh, both the one uh, R and well, actually they're not the same. Uh, so the one R has 16 heat sinks. If you alpha strikes, you would uh, generate 16 points of heat. So you're heat neutral if you don't move. If you walk, you'll just generate one point of heat, which is not bad. Um, for the 1SIC, uh, you are generating 16 points of heat and sinking uh, 15 of that, which is still pretty good. Uh, so if you walk and shoot everything, uh, you're gonna have two leftover, two leftover heat. So those were the cards that came uh, with the box. Uh, I wanted to look at a couple other record sheets real quick. So the Vindicator One X uh, is a tech-based, uh, I'm sorry, rules-level uh, introdu introductory um, Succession Wars era. It consists of two machine guns, one PPC one LRM-5, and one medium laser with a 464 movement profile. It generates 15 heat and sinks 15. Um, I probably wouldn't ever really run this because that is a lot of machine gun ammo to explode. Uh, <laughs> and we all know if we've played a couple, literally even just a couple games of Classic, um, Am machine gun ammo is not your friend. It is 100% your enemy. And as a result, I will do everything in my power to probably not run a single mech with any machine guns. Drop it like it's hot. <laughs> what are you hey, really about? Like, why player? would you hurt my piranha like that? 
<laughs> are you really a Battletech player if you haven't had an ammo explosion where your mech lost its machine gun magazine and just you're just sitting there sad face? The the piranha is probably like the only real exception, at least uh for me. <laughs> uh so the uh and when we get up to the clan invasion era, we've got the Vindicator 5L. Now this one's pretty cool. Yeah, this one's pretty cool. Um, it is so its role is a skirmisher. Uh, its movement profile is a four six four. Um, I can't see anywhere. Oh, it's got triple strength mimer. So you get a little bit of heat, and then you can move five eight four. Uh, so that's a walk walk five run eight, and uh, it doesn't affect your jumping because uh, it's TSM. But the the five L is a bit of a badass. He's got first of all a sword, uh, one ERPPC, uh, let's see, two ER medium lasers, two regular medium pulse lasers, uh, and two small pulse lasers. So Mike, again, while you're looking at that, we just got to make sure. One of those lasers is still in his head, right? He's got to uh, maintain the indicator tradition. No, uh, no, it's actually not. No, no, oh, it's not. he's not even a real vindicator. Yeah, everything's in the left and right torso except for that ERPPC in the right arm and the sword in the left arm. Uh, so that sword actually does six damage. Uh, the ERPPC in the right arm, uh, two ER medium lasers two medium pulse lasers eight and thank you dave for the correction one small pulse laser and one small standard laser uh if you were to alpha strike this beast uh you would generate 36 points of heat and he sinks a mere 20 uh because he only has 10 double heat sinks i still think like that's that's still a real nice that like that's looking at all the classic sheets so far for the Vindicator. This is probably my favorite. Um, also, TSM and a sword. Like, come on. Well, the other nice thing is at medium range, you're if you decide to fire only your medium lasers, you're looking at 18 points of heat. So you can run, fire all your medium range weapons, not generate any heat, or just generate the points of heat for your for using the TSM. The only downside I see about this mech is that it's still got relatively thin armor. So you're still looking at only 14 points on the arms and 16 points in the torsos. But it is running a standard engine, so you can zombie mech the crap out of this thing. Yeah, and you got 20 points of armor in the center, and uh, your standard, I guess, what is it? Uh, 45-ton mech structure values. Um Seven structure for the arms, eleven for the torsos, fourteen for the center. Uh, but I just think that the the damage spread that you can do from right in your face versus extremely far away because of that ERPPC reaching out to twenty three hexes away, um, like that's that's a solid that's a solid unit. Um, so yeah, that yeah, uh, and that's coming it also carries in at, no munitions too. Yeah, Seems no ammo explosions here, bud. Yeah. 
this just might be a great mech to take to a certain event that's coming up later on. The only other one I've really got pulled up, I guess, is the the 4L, which is a one ERPPC, an LRM5, uh, an ECM Guardian Suite, one ER Medium Laser, and one Medium Pulse Laser. Uh, generates 26 heat and dissipates 26 heat because it has 13 double heat sinks. Uh, so yeah, and it's looking like it has a XL engine too, right? It's a little bit faster. Uh, correct. It is an XL, so its movement profile is going to be a 585. Uh, its BV is 1,411. It is a, a Civil War era tech. Um, I'm pretty sure that's primarily because of the the guardian ecm there oh and it's stealth armor um and i don't yep. know enough about yep. stealth armor to knowledgeably speak on it but it has it uh does anybody else know the classic uh ins and outs of stealth armor yeah i know a little bit um i want to say it adds like 10 5 or 10 heat to you uh when you activate your stealth armor um, most of them are uh, entwined with an ECM some of some type. Um, I'd have to dive into Total Warfare, and I just don't want to right now. And I respect that. On the uh, downside, the Alpha Strike card for the 4L is you're only looking at five points of armor and two structure because of that XL. So yep. it's kind of a glass cannon in the Alpha Strike table. What's its damage yep, profile? Yeah, the there. Two, two, two. Yeah, yeah. The only OV1. thing that redeems it is that jumping and having stealth will bump you up to plus four to hit, but it, its damage profile is really low. The the five L on the other hand, an alpha strike is also a beast because uh, you have a three two one stat line damage wise, which isn't great. But you have overheat two, and then you have a melee weapon and triple strength uh, mimer. So you could hop in, overheat for two, and you're rolling, you know, for four damage at medium. You just move and you punch someone uh, for four damage, and you can just alternate doing that. And that only costs 29 points. The 5L is a beast. Uh, that's what I've yeah. gathered at this point, <laughs> both for Classic and Alpha Strike. Uh, the last Classic sheet I've got pulled up for it is the 3L, which is just, I don't quite understand it. Um, it's just one ERPPC, one LRM5, and one medium pulse laser. Uh, it generates 21 heat and an alpha strike. And since it has 15 double heat sinks, it sinks 30. Uh, so that's, I think it's wasted tonnage there. Because uh, you've got way too many heat sinks for what you're doing. And you still just have a movement profile of 464. Uh, with a standard fusion engine, so I don't know exactly what's going on with the uh, the four five. It's listed as a brawler, uh, clan invasion era. BV is a one thousand one hundred five. It's um, uh, it, now without going into Sarna, I'm going to take a guess here at this. It's uh, it's a thirty twenty five upgraded with the Hell Memory Core tech into a. I'm going to fight the clans, slap something into a Vindicator and go. And and that that it, probably makes the most sense to me. Um, yeah. It reminds me a lot of the Panther 10K 
which is another uh, Renaissance area era mech. And the Drax just put an ERPPC and an LRM on a Panther, and they're like, cool, this is good. Except for that one overheats terribly. It can't even use its weapons right. Um, so, you know, it might have just been like uh, back in the day, like, oh, these are our bad guy factions. We're just going to, you know, give them an ERPPC, some LRMs, call it a day. <laughs> Yep, I was right on the money. It is a basic upgrade from recovered Starleague technology introduced in 3051. PPC was upgraded to a Series Arms Warrior ER PPC, and the medium and small laser have been removed in favor of a Series Arms model W medium pulse laser. To handle the extra heat of the new ER PPC, double heat sinks were added while case was installed to protect the LRM ammunition. The the case is, uh, is good. I... I missed that on the lower half of the sheet, but yeah, it's still wasted tonnage on double heat sinks that could oh, totally. they could have absolutely left weapons. <laughs> well, just get rid of the, been... get rid of the medium pulse laser and just put regular pulse, regular medium lasers in there. And yeah, they're a little harder to hit with, but Hey, more is better in most cases, perhaps. Uh, but yeah, um, wasted tonnage on heat sinks. Uh, but yeah, so that, Kind of summarizes our talk on uh, the Vindicator. Um, the the Griffin is the same. Everything else about the bo- uh, beginner box is the same. Does anybody else have any any comments on the new beginner box or or the Vindicator? How do you like the model? The new Vindy looks a whole lot better than the old one. Agreed. All the only Vindicators I have are from the I want to say the 25th anniversary box set, and they look like hot garbage. All right. Well, if that wraps us up on the uh, the new beginner box and the all new Vindicator, uh, I guess that will move us into the uh, lore chat with Ben. Yeah, lore chat, fantastic. Um, <laughs> so this month we're going to talk about the huh? It's time to get excited, Ben. Hell yeah! Now I'm, now I'm, I'm you know three ounces into this freaking podcast now. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Lord Master does not need to be sober for his role, okay? Absolutely so not. Take a step back. Yeah. It's, it's all, you know. Let me tell you a story. <laughs> it's all the points are made up. Today on Drunk History. <laughs> Fantastic. So this month we're going to talk about a little bit to lead into something that's going on later on in the month we'll talk about later, um, which is the... Uh, the clan trial of refusal. Um, this was an event that took place in 3058 and it was between, well, there's a lot of, a lot of shit that led up to it for starters. Um, ultimately it came down to a battle of philosophies between the clans and, uh, it was between the crusaders and the wardens and, the main faction involved were the wolves at the time and the crusaders and wardens within the wolves were kind of politically battling it out. And, uh, it got elevated up to the point where the entire clan grand council got involved and turned into a trial of refusal. So that trial of refusal involved the Jade Falcons and the wolves which turned into a complete shit show because the 
part of the warden wolves went off and the other part of the wolves got absorbed by the Jade Falcons and became the Jade Wolves for a while. And then they refused, did a trial refusal for that. And it turned into this whole thing. So while all that is going on, the Jade Falcons decided that they were going to kind of break the truce of tru- of uh, Tukiyid, the truce of Tukiyid, and uh, start... Rolls right off the tongue. Yeah, I know, right? That's a, that's a tongue twister there. So they started kind of taking planets in the Lyrian or the Federated Commonwealth at the time. Um, and it got a little dicey uh, where they were just kind of rolling through some of these local militias that were in place um, until uh, Archon... Catherine Stanadavian decided she hired some mercenaries to put a stop to this, and she hired the Wolf Dragoons and the Waco Rangers to kind of put a halt to the Jade Falcon advance before they broached the truce line, which, if anybody knows the history of the Wolf Dragoons and the Waco Rangers, you know that is a recipe for disaster. So, while that is happening, the the final battle of the Falcon incursion takes place on Coventry, and the Wolf Dragoons and the Waco Rangers are fighting out against the Jade Falcons, and all of a sudden, a coalition of forces led by Victor Steiner Davian drops onto the planet and puts a stop to the Jade Falcon fight there. They were pretty pretty evenly matched with the forces that were on, on planet and the Jade Falcons were willing to duke it out. But while all that was going on, clan wolf had decided, well, since the Jade Falcons are occupied, let's go take some of their, their world since they just tried to screw us over by air quotes, absorbing us. And uh, we're going to show them that we're not uh, here to be toyed with. So, the wolves, the clan wolf started to threaten the Jade Falcon occupation zone. And that's when the Jade Falcons were like, all right, fine. We're done with this whole Coventry thing. We got to go deal with some other shit. So you guys can just keep this thing. So John, what are your thoughts, man? That's kind of <laughs> where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a real cluster because like you have the refusal war and that spawns the wolves in exile under Felon Kel, who are of the warden kind of sentiment, and they ingratiate themselves with the Kelhounds and the Lyrans. And then you have the new clan wolf under uh, Vlad Ward. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's where uh, clan wolf splits originally. Um, you have the Jade Falcons just being nut jobs per usual, just running around freaking at people. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a little bit confusing to me, you know, to, to keep up with, you know, it's like the, the Jade Falcons are severely depleted after this refusal war. And they're like, you know what, let's springboard an invasion. <laughs> so, yeah, but, um, it's uh, it keeps things moving, keeps things interesting, that's for sure, and it sets up for kind of the antagonisms that will play out in the Ilkline era 
uh, that we're discussing, you know, too. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, it's funny to, did you bring that up? Cause you know, I mean, there's a, there's a somewhat of a history between wolves and Jade Falcons throughout the, the history of the clans. But I think it really comes to the forefront in this, in this setting with the uh, Falcon incursion there, you know, and then it kind of dies out a little bit. And then, you know, we get into the dark age and, you know, the Oakland era and it really comes and, and kind of just blows up the, the whole Battletech scene and takes precedence over everything. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Is uh the the Jade Falcon Khan at the time is Martha Pride, right? And is yep. she the daughter of Aiden Pride? No, she was like uh she was the sib mate or uh they grew up in the same sibco, basically. Basically okay. like okay. They're related, brother and like sister brothers thing. They had the same genes. I don't know. It's that whole their tubes were next to each other when they were born. Exactly. Exactly. That whole planner gene cast thing or whatever. So this really leads right into the event that Colorado Battletech is putting on in uh, November, which we finally have a date for. It's going to be November 19th. It is a Civil War era hexless uh, classic event. And the premise based on some polls that we, that were done on the, uh, on the discord were folks wanted to do hexless and folks wanted it in the civil war. So what I started doing is I picked the general bad guy, which for most of BattleTech is the Jade Falcons. Yeah, John. They are Yeah, they are basically the the boogeyman. Uh, I'm general sorry. Bad I think guy I must have misheard you. I didn't that was a weird way to pronounce Capellan Confederation. I was actually just going to say for the Inner Sphere it's the Capellans, for the Clans it's the Jade Falcons. It's all and they're both green. green. It's all the it's all the green. <laughs> That's what it is. So, the green. What we did is I went through and looked at through Sarna and I tried to find something that wasn't going to be, you know, on the main timeline. Because obviously if you go on the main timeline, you're battling with Canon, you're battling with you know, someone's gonna say, like, well, this didn't happen on this day. So I tried to find a planet that was on the border between Lyran space and uh, the Jade Falcon invasion corridor. And what I settled on was I found this little rock called black earth and black earth has a gap in its history between about 3050 and 3069 in 3050. The planet was conquered by the Jade Falcons during their invasion. And then all it says is it was reconquered in 3069 or 3068. So that gave me a perfect window to build a narrative around and I went with it. So the premise of the game in, or the event in November is going to be, so the year is 3058. The uh, defending faction is the Jade Falcons, Gry Falcon, 89th strike cluster garrison force. The on ground commander is Star Colonel Davinia Guli, and her ride of choice is a summoner. So at some point in the day, you will see a summoner take the field with a uh, special pilot ability that will be 
randomly assigned to a table in support of the Jade Falcon forces. On the other side, the attacking forces, we have the 22nd Avalon Hussars, and a making up a mixed coalition force led by Hopman General Donna Iona. And I'm still working on the uh, what mech she's going to ride. Right now I have a Pillager uh, 3Z with, the, uh, with a special pilot ability, but I'm probably going to switch that to a mech that I actually have. Because my goal is for whoever wins and does best for each side is they're going to get a pretty sweet painted mini. So if you do the best on the clan side, you get a summoner. If you do the best on the inner sphere side, you'll get uh, something else. And this is uh, it's going. Hmm? This is going to be held where? Dave? This is going to be held at Inconceivable Games in Castle Rock, and prize support will be provided again by the Colorado BattleTech Patreon. And for this event, it will actually be our. It'll be the first fully funded event by the the Patreon. So we're talking actual force packs. We're talking uh, official minis. So this will be the first official product supported event. So I really encourage everybody that can come out to come out and have a good time. Uh, we will be starting the event at a 10 a.m. check-in. Uh, 11 a.m. We start the first game. So that leads into another important thing about the event. For everyone who is attending, Build a list for both sides because you're not going to know which side you're going to play for until you get there. So don't, uh, don't skimp on your IS list. If you want to play clan, we'll try to accommodate everybody, but depending on if everybody shows up and wants to play clan, then we're going to have to split teams. So, uh, bring a list for each one. It's 12,000 battle battle value total. Now this is where the event gets a little interesting. You're going to play three games totaling roughly 18,000 battle value. So you're not going to be able to field a fresh team for every single fight, but you will have the opportunity to repair some of your equipments and you will have an opportunity to uh, spend some battlefield support points. It's going to be an interesting event and we're looking forward to uh, seeing everybody come out there and we hope everybody has a really good time. Uh, as soon as we finalize the event document, we'll post it up there. But you should be seeing a, uh, an event notification and sign up uh, on the Facebook group in probably before this episode airs. All right. So that is the most recent, like most upcoming uh, event that should be in November. Um, November 19th. That, yep. November. Uh, the... We're looking at a possible uh, Alpha Strike tournament in December. Uh, that would be a Wolfnet 350 style, correct? Yes, we're kind of just throwing around that idea right now. We don't have a date or a place that... We're looking at Gamers Haven, but we haven't actually talked to them yet. So nobody quote me on that. A lot of people have expressed interest in seeing another Wolfnet 350 tournament. So uh, we're going to try and put one on. And uh, hopefully everybody can make it out. I know December is a little bit of a weird month here in Colorado because it could snow, it could be sunny, who knows? But the main point of that potential uh, Wolfnet 350 tournament in December is kind of like a precursor uh, to the Las Vegas Open 
in January, which we've got what five? I think it's five six, right now. Uh, folks from Colorado attending. Uh, so that is a premier event out in Las Vegas. Uh, I'm I'm not super spun up on like where LVO is at because so I it's can't it's go. It's being held at the Rio Hotel in Las Vegas from January 26th to through the 29th, and I believe half of us are planning on driving. A few people are flying because they're either going with spouses or. They're going to be there past those dates, but the rest of us are going to uh, pile into one car for 13 hours and uh, drive south and then west. Now at LVO, so of course, yes, we know the WolfNet 350 Premier Tournament, um, which is, if I'm not mistaken, a an official Catalyst-sponsored 350 tournament. I believe um, it is this time. Yeah, which is which is kind of a big deal. Uh, but there's also a classic tournament, which I think Ben didn't didn't you sign up for the the classic tournament at LVO? I did as well. I did as well. I have not, but you guys I probably will. Well, I bought then, a ticket for it. I don't know if I'm actually going to go to it. So, for those that signed up for it, uh, what what do you know about the details of uh, of the classic side of the house at LVO? Not a damn thing. I want to say this is the champion circuit that they're trying to trying to push. Um, I'm not familiar with a lot of the details of it. Um, I just know that it's called what is it? The, it's like the Triple C or something like the classic champion. I think it's the champ- championship circuit. I think you're right. Yeah. I'm not sure if it's that, but I know. I think the first one that they had was earlier this year, and it was. Um, Something to the effect that you could only use um, the mechs that were included in either the first or second wave of the Kickstarter. I can't remember if it was either or both. Um, And they had, I mean, it's mostly vanilla classic Battletech, but I think there were some additional optional rules that were put in. Um, But uh, yeah, definitely going to have to look into the rules. In fact, I was kind of planning on using this November event to kind of beef up a little bit and get more uh, back more into classic battle tech to uh, kind of prep for LVO as well. I guess I'm going to have to actually read the rules and figure out what I'm supposed to ring. I was just going to show up with, well, all my mechs and throw something together the night before. But, you know. Come with us, listeners. Come with us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if you can go to LVO, the more, the merrier, the cheaper the gas bill to get across the continental divide all right and we've got some relatively as of today potential changes to the q1 and by q1 i mean quarter one but not fiscal i mean calendar so january through march uh we might be having a shift in the schedule for the january through march schedule of events here in colorado um and I, that's that is all Dave's doing. So, do you want to speak yeah. on that? So, I'm only going to tease a little bit because nothing is solid yet. Uh, but we are looking at possibly having a large event at Genghis Khan. So, I've never been to Genghis Khan. 
but I know it's one of the two major gaming conventions that we have here in in the state. So it's either Genghis Khan or Tacticon. And we already have a person in the Colorado Battletech that throws an event every year at Tacticon. So I decided, why not reach out and see what what they have? And it uh, turns out that one of the people that helps run Genghis Khan is also in our Discord server. So... Uh, that was a very convenient chance meeting, and I was talking with him as he was opening up the sign-up for events. So we are right now, as far as I know, one of the first events that have been requested, and we will see what they say. But if it goes through, we're looking at a Alpha Strike tournament, in, I want to say it's February 23rd through the 26th. We don't have a date yet. We don't know if it's going to be during the week or if we'll be lucky enough to get a a date on the weekend. But uh, as I find out more, I will let everybody know. The, uh, The biggest cool part of this is that we already have one game store that is interested in sponsoring it. And we possibly have a second game store that is interested in sponsoring it with price support. So, I mean, that shows how much our community is growing and how much the the local game stores, you know, respect what we're doing and, you know, appreciate our patronage at their stores that they are willing to attach their name to Colorado Battletech and provide uh, price support for all the players out there. So as more goes on, I will keep folks updated and uh, yeah, it, if it goes through, it should be a really, really awesome event. I know that Greg is also planning to try and get a, uh, I think it's a Solaris style classic event at the, uh, at the con. So keep your eyes open for that as well. Uh, And yeah, just keep your eyes on the uh, Colorado Battletech server for uh, updates, and as more develops, we will let everybody we'll let everybody know. All right, that kind of rounds out us for the night uh, day. Depends on what time of day you're listening to the show. Uh, so that moves us into shoutouts. Uh, let's go ahead and start with, well, I guess Dave. So my shout out today goes out to uh, Gamers Haven for giving us the venue for Battle for the Sphere 2. Uh, they're a great, a great store. And honestly, I wish I'd played there more over the years. Another shout out to Luke from Pueblo for taking the time to teach brand new players while we were at, uh, at the Battle for the Sphere. Same thing to you, Mike, for sitting down and, and dedicating time to teaching new players. So yeah, that's my shout out. All right, uh, let's go to John. Who's your shout-out of the month? Uh, my shout-out month is going to go to my gaming buddy and fellow Nordner, Matt, for putting on uh, Battle for the Sphere. Woo-hoo! And not just... To, yeah, right? Woo-hoo! Co-host. Little co-host. Uh, tug Let's along. pat ourselves on the back. Yeah. Um, everyone get into the circle now. And uh, But, uh, no, Matt's done a lot of work to grow the Colorado community, and he deserves uh, credit for it. All right, uh, Ben, who is your shout-out of the month? Uh, my shout-out for the month is uh, Iron Winds Medals. You know, um, I put in a solid order at the beginning of the month and got it within, like, 
five days, I think. And it was, it was a pretty hefty order. I, I got a lot of battle armor to put together. So, um, shout out to them for, for, I know they're going through some, some stuff within their company and, uh, you know, I just, they're still providing a good service. So I, I definitely, if you can't find it on Aries, go straight to the, to the manufacturer and they'll get it to you. So Ironwind Metal is my shout out. Yeah. When you mentioned a trinary of, uh, was it elementals, battle armor in general, either yeah. way, that's a lot of tiny little dudes that yeah, they yeah. had to pick, <laughs> that they had to pick out. They had to and, count them uh, out because you order them individually now. <laughs> oh man, you made someone sad that day. Uh, <laughs> he, did. he earned his paycheck. He did. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so for myself, I, I I guess continuing on with the pat ourselves in the back. Um, my shout out for the month is going to be fellow co-host uh, John for hooking up the Colorado Battletech community with a group order slash discount to Mats by Mars. Uh, we were able to all order various sized um, mats. Uh, I myself ordered some custom maps uh, maps through through the order um, and. They just look amazing, and but he facilitated that entire order, and I I just super appreciate it, and they just look badass, and I can't wait to to use them. So thank you, John. I'm glad you like them, man. And the first time you blow up one of my fire moths with artillery on it, uh, the end of our friendship. Yeah, my my custom order was kind of like a. Uh, a military style uh, one inch grid with um I don't, I don't even know how to really accurately describe it. <laughs> yeah, Mike ordered a, a military style map where each uh, line is it's got uh, grid lines on it is numerated. Yeah, it has grid lines, so each intersection you can identify uh, using the x and y coordinates. And he did that for so that he can place minefields. With- yeah, for minefields, artillery, and using the the new battlefield support deck they put out. And uh, in case yeah. you aren't aware, Fire Moth and Alpha Strike only has one point of armor and one point of structure, so it is a scary game going into a minefield. Mike, I'm going to echo John. The first time we play on that, and you use mines on me, I'm going to throw something at you. I'm just really Will excited. Will it be pocket pocket elementals that Ben's given you? No, I've got some. Uh, I've got some nice metal, metal battle armor with some uh, pretty sharp edges on it. It might go flying, go. or that Phoenix Hawk too. Oh, the Phoenix Hawk too is pretty heavy too, and that thing could really mess you up. Just don't throw your fucking Aries. Well, I don't want to kill him. <laughs> I guess that leaves Matt. Yeah, to uh, to round out the old shoutouts, I uh, just like to thank everyone that came out to the the northern battle for the sphere. Uh, it was really great to see everyone out there, especially the, all the new people, but also some of the oldies, if we call ourselves that, I guess. Um, but I uh, really want to want to kind of mention by name those who helped teach new players, especially John, who's on here, but also John G, uh, John Godfrey, who taught, uh, who spent the whole day teaching new people. It was really awesome. Also. Uh, Logan from down in Brighton and uh, Randy from Longmont. So they all helped with uh, different Alpha Strike and classic games and it really, really helped make the event cool. 
Uh, also, those that were my little uh, campaign in a day guinea pigs, uh, I, I really have to thank you for for uh, hopefully enjoying yourselves uh, for the whole day. But Jack, Greg, another Greg, I mean Gregory, and uh, and Braden, thanks guys for playing, and uh, yeah, hopefully you had a little bit of fun. Thanks for joining us today in the Valhalla Club. Special thanks to our sponsor, Aries Games and Miniatures. Aries is the premier online retailer for all your Battletech needs. You can contact us at the Valhalla Club at Outlook.com. If you are in Colorado, please join your local community group on Facebook and Discord. If you are able to help support your local Colorado Battletech community, subscribe on Patreon to Colorado Battletech. This Patreon account is used to supply prize support for local events and assist in venue costs. Links for the Valhalla Club Discord, the Colorado Battletech Patreon, and Facebook group are in the show notes. Until next time, mech fans.